fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Sick Vienna. And welcome to Sick Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about Italian fascism with my friend Vienna. It's like regular Imperial News, but we all um, ride around on skateboards and uh, smoke weed. <laughs> it's mad sick, yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Vienna? Sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be great because uh, for the audience listening, we're recording two in a row. We're catching up, uh, you know, because of illness. I was on vacation. Anyways, we we got a bit of a, a lag in some of the episodes, so we're recording two in a row. Uh, so I will be asking Vieto how they are again, <laughs> but we already know that they're sick. So uh, I, I guess a little Easter egg for those who tune in for the next episode. <laughs> Uh, um yeah i'm feeling quite unwell um i do need to take a covid test but i have not gotten around to it um yeah just like fevery and tired and like not not a great attention span so we'll see how this goes (laughs) um how are you i am okay I, uh, you know, it's been, it's been weird. Everyone's getting sick. Like, that's the thing. It's like, now I'm hyper. I was sick before I went on vacation and now I'm just paranoid because everyone else is getting sick that I, I don't want to get sick. But, uh, other than that, my mental health is doing pretty good right now. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Have some humility, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I got to take the wins when I can get them. All right. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, talking about people losing, uh, Italian fascists won in Italy, and that is that is <laughs> better transition would have been talking about people without humility. <laughs> uh, I didn't know how to bring that in. Either way, we we will. The main focus of today is going to be about, uh, of course, the election of Georgia Maloney. Now, of, of course, it feels a bit dated because everyone else has uh, talked about it already. We are a bit delayed, but uh, we won't have too much to say. But it, it still sucks. So uh, strap in as we uh, get through the rest of the week first. Uh, so here we go. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. In this episode, we're covering the week of September 26th to September 30th. 30th. So we're finishing out September in this one. Uh, And of course, as I said, we're a bit delayed. So this might feel like old news to some people. Uh, And also for the story on the 26th that we're going to cover, there was a recent update that happened a couple days ago that we won't get into too much details in this episode because I feel like we're going to cover it later. Uh, The story involves this teacher in Oakville who has large breasts and is, <laughs> as far as we know, claiming to be trans, although we can get into some of the confusion surrounding all of this. But the recent update is, I guess, uh, a couple days ago, like our time, David Menzies went to an Oakville school board meeting dressed as the person with the large breasts. So David Menzies went in drag and made a fool of himself. So we won't have much to say about that clownish behavior by David Menzies, but I'm guessing we will cover it two episodes from now <laughs> as uh, as it goes. So like to fill everyone in, I guess at this point, what's going on uh, in case for whatever reason you haven't heard of this story, This story was initially written by Joe Warmington in the Toronto Sun, and it had to do with this teacher in Oakville at a high school who is, it was claimed to be that this person is trans, but they have breasts that are, some would say, cartoonishly large, and the nippos... Some would say. (laughs) Nippos. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the nipples are very visible with the the shirts that they're wearing. Uh, so, and of course, the the images show that that relieved show that she's working in a shop class of some sort. I've seen some people online. If the I guess the the main sort of like people passing this along are uh, the Surfs TV that they don't actually believe that this is a real teacher. I don't know, to be honest. Their evidence for why this isn't a real teacher and this is just one large hoax is that the videos look kind of suspicious and that when you read the statement that was made by the Oakville School Board, it doesn't mention who this person is or any of the stuff that's like happening. But then I'm like, they wouldn't do that anyways because they, they would probably want to try to keep this anonymous, even though the media is already saying who this person is publicly. Yeah. The other evidence is something we'll get to soon. Cause David is even going to mention it as well. And, and we'll get to why I don't think that is good either. So yeah, I, I think, I guess before we get into the story, because a lot of people, I mean, Tucker Carlson had a fear-mongering piece about it, saying that the, the teacher is dressed like exploding milk porn. Uh, <laughs> I was unaware of what exploding milk porn is, but apparently that's a fetish that this teacher is into, according to Tucker Carlson. Now, a lot of people are upset about this. And, of course, it's, like, fitting into the, the trans panic narrative. Mm -hmm. But I don't, like, I honestly don't know how I feel about this. There's this. There is a sense in which, like, yes, the teacher looks ridiculous. But then I'm like, I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, like, I, do you have thoughts on this? Teachers can be fucking weird. Like, yeah. You know, we we are in a city that is quite well known for its um, creepy high school teachers. And I gotta say that the things that they do are objectively worse than whatever the fuck this is. Uh, teacher, a little while ago now, um, was arrested and then uh, charged with um, using a camera spy pen to... Uh, look down the shirts of his students. Um, I remember a teacher at my high school, um, which had a uniform. Um, on off-uniform days, the girls in his class were banned from wearing yoga pants uh, because he would not only stare, but also make comments. There are worse problems than whatever the fuck this is, you know? Like, I haven't actually heard anything about this teacher being... A creepy weirdo beyond the way that they dress and i think that like that's kind of the takeaway from this is like until there are until there is something actually substantial to this it's just kind of a, like yeah this teacher dress is kind of weird and made some interesting um choices body modifications wise and that's kind of it I think in terms of, like, the thing that you're highlighting, too, I mean, the discrepancy between the reaction of this person and the reaction to, say, the creepy teacher that you're describing, like, that creepy teacher that you described, there was not a protest outside of the, you know, London District School Board with several, like, like close to 100 people outside protesting, which is what happened in Oakville after, like, this aired on Tucker Carlson, right? And so it's like... Again, it's like the discrepancy between like what is the harm of what this person is doing compared to the very real examples that exist everywhere that are much more harmful, uh, or at least there's more evidence for something much more harmful. And it's like they're, they're just, it's it's amazing for all these people to proclaim that they're here to protect kids and what they're cared about is something that's in some sense harmless. The other thing I want to say is like, I, I worry about... I can understand why people might see this and think that it's bizarre, right? Like, I can understand where people are coming from with that. The thing that, like, gets to me, though, is, like, when I was in high school, and, of course, I was a young boy surrounded with other young boys, and there was a teacher who didn't wear a bra often, and you could see their nipples occasionally, and we joked about this. Now, 
the thing is, I don't think we joked about it, like, at them, but, you know, like, in our social circle, you know, still not correct or good to do, but, like, we were young boys, right? I'm not saying that to excuse my behavior. I'm just saying I didn't know better at the time. But mm. my point is that, like, if, like, what what kind of, like, thing can you pass to prevent a person for a sort of, like, clothing behavior that others might feel uncomfortable that, like, would apply to one and not the other? You know what I mean? It's like people are just going to dress weird sometimes. And it's like, I don't know if you can craft some sort of, like, legislation that can, like, perfectly carve out all the little, uh, like, eccentricities that might, like, bother people right because like if you're gonna ban this uh tech teacher that they're talking about in the news right now uh, at the oakville school you would probably have to ban the teacher that that i would do where we could see their nipples pointing through their shirt as well you know Mm -hmm. and so it's like just this whole thing i just feel like i i think what gets missed in it is just like how harmless if if this person is sincere how harmless this really is. We're going to get, so Menzies sort of talks about like, there's three explanations to what's going on here. The first explanation he gives is that this person is sincere. And he's like, uh, it's grotesque. So he doesn't believe that it is sincere. He's like, no sincere person will like dress this grotesquely. It's kind of his, so he gives it as an explanation, but automatically dismisses it. His second explanation is that he claims that this person could have a mental illness. But then he doesn't expand on that, and he moves to his third explanation, which I will let David Menzies explain it for himself. My third and final theory is this. Could it be that Mr. Lemieux is not truly transitioning into a woman, but rather is exacting a measure of revenge against the uber-woke educrats employed at the school board? Consider this recent post on social media, which was sent along to me by my West Coast colleague, Alex, the other day, which may or may not be true. Quote, this dude is gaming the system, and Anon here yesterday was in this dude's class. This teacher was almost fired for toxic masculinity last year, as well as not embracing woke culture. He dropped red pills to his class such as how silly gender-neutral bathrooms are. The school board hates him. He's now upping the ante to exploit the very clown world the school and society itself created. His long game is most likely to get fired and then sue for discrimination. There is no other explanation, no better way to troll clown world than to be an over-the-top caricature of a woman, end quote. In that clip, He's reading this text. He doesn't really explain what it is. But what do you think this text is from? Uh, it sounds like 4chan, 8chan type of shit. It is directly from 4chan. Yeah. And it startles me that he's quoting this thing which references things like Clown World, which were like fascist talking points that were created on 4chan. That <laughs> so he's just reading this random poster on 4chan who's anonymous is clearly a fascist and is just going, well, maybe what this random thing is on. And then it's the fact that David highlights that it's a staff member for Rebel News that found this. And it's like, okay, so they have their staff member who's going through 4chan to find shit. No, he was, was already on 4chan. 4chan. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. Especially if it's one of the, like, the younger ones. Yeah, of course they're on 4chan. Like, yeah. where else would they have... How else would they have ended up at Rebel News if not for 4chan? Because David Menzies is not on 4chan. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want him to be, though. That would be a really good turn. <laughs> David Menzies was the one who posted it? <laughs> yeah. Just like I want him to start speaking the way that they type on 4chan. Take what the 4chan Anon said seriously and just like pretend that this that is how it is like you know the conspiracy theory that it is a like right winger blah 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 like okay and like i I idiot (laughs) i think the funny thing though if it's true if this person is sincere real and if this force chan post is true 
then what that would mean is that the teacher did this to try to get the school board to fire him so he could then sue them. Mm -hmm. He, if they are indeed not transitioning. And then, but then the school board did not end up suing them (laughs) or firing them, sorry. So he can't sue them. And (laughs) so it's like, what is, you failed, essentially. (laughs) If that that was your goal, you failed. Like, if that is, again, if that is the truth and... Like, I want to take it seriously mostly because, like, it would be way funnier if it's if that is the truth. Because, um, like, now that person just has to live with it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, if it's, if it's fake, then it's just kind of like, a, okay, this person's a teacher. That's it. End of story. Yeah. We live in such a ridiculous world. No, I know. It's... <laughs> And again, it's going to come up in a future episode just because David Menzies ended up addressing like this person and showing up at a school board meeting. But like, mm-hmm. it's clear, again, I, I mainly wanted to talk about this. I mean, one for one, they covered it and it's worth going over and it made mainstream news because of course it did. But just like, again, it, it, just spelling out like how inconsequential this is. Like, I know like some of it makes people icky, but like, that really is the story when, as we've already sort of explained, there's way worse things out there than just making people feel icky for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I will expand, though. So I, I have one more clip, which is David Menzies, after sort of talking about the 4chan post, goes on to sort of like further developed why he himself thinks that this is a, a troll. Now, as I said, folks, we can't prove if this is true, but for what it's worth it sounds entirely plausible to me that this could all be a prank that is worthy of a South Park episode. Indeed, if it is a matter of fact that Mr. Lemieux ran afoul over so-called toxic masculinity guidelines, what a devious, albeit brilliant way to exact a measure of revenge by becoming an over-the-top female caricature under the guise that he is actually transitioning into a woman. Transgenderism is a sacred cow for those on the woke left. To even question the issue is an act of transphobia, which is why we now have biological males competing with females in sports and even doing prison time in female penitentiaries. What an amazing time it is to be a man who is merely an average athlete but as a superstar in the female division due to inherent physical advantages, or a male sexual offender who wants to do time amongst potential female victims, all of whom have nowhere to run. And this is all due to the cowardice of the gatekeepers. Astonishing. Another reason I believe that Mr. Lemieux is perhaps gaming the system in an uber-cheeky fashion is that he's a shop teacher. He works with his hands. He builds things. He's not some utterly useless gender studies professor. And it just strikes me that someone who's part of the blue-collar demographic is more than likely a person who is not, you know, all in when it comes to supporting radical transgenderism and denouncing toxic masculinity, whatever that is. Quite the opposite, I should think. There's so much in that clip. <laughs> that was a lot, yeah. I love, for one, it's like, I, I like that if, if he thinks that if it's a troll, then all of a sudden this person is like a hero, right? Even though, like, they're trying to fearmonger about, like, oh no, the nipples. Where it's like, but even if it's a troll, the kids are still exposed to the nipples, which is the thing that you're mad about. Yeah, but then it becomes brilliant because you're skewering the, like, woke culture or, like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Which is, like, again, it's like harming the kids is bad unless you're harming the kids in, like, virtue of, uh, uh, you know, owning the libs. But then there's the... I mean, there's the transphobia, too. We don't need to necessarily get into any of that. But then to end it on, he's blue collar because he works at a shop class. (laughs) Yeah. 
I just, I love how it's like, even within the school. So you're all paid teachers, all working under the same roof. But if you're teaching gender studies in that building, white collar. If, <laughs> if you're teaching shop class, though, you're automatically blue collar. What the fuck do they think blue collar means? I don't. <laughs> what is a white collar job if not being a teacher? Like blue collar is just when you're getting your hands dirty, and so if if the hand gets even a little bit of dirt, blue collar, automatically. Daycare workers are all blue collar. Actually, that's true. Shit. See, <laughs> no, but in their definition, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they would be counted or not. But of course, David ends this whole segment by then telling people to go call their like all the people running for school board trustees to make sure that they're against this person and to make sure that like we're stopping trans people from being in schools and stuff like this. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a call to more violence towards trans people. And so it is worth highlighting that that's how this is going to be weaponized, uh, especially during this municipal election. Which ends on October 24th. So I've already voted early. Uh, you should make sure that you vote in school board trustees and council members who are better than <laughs> what David Menzies wants here. Yeah. And on that note, they, they end the. So David Menzies then uh, talks, uh, the interview segment talks with someone about what's happening in Iran. The person does not give their name, so uh, I don't know who they are. And for the most part, there was nothing too objectionable. I think, uh, you know, I I don't know too much about what is happening in Iran myself to, to fully, like, uh, I, I think I tend to lean towards the protests and support them, but I don't know all the details or anything like that. That being said, there was one weird moment where the person who David was talking to was saying that they wanted Canada to start arming the, like, protesters. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, I, I think the thing that got to me, like, I, I, I have no clue at all about any of this. The, just what struck me is how angry they've been getting about the Ukraine thing. And then it's just like they were. The, David Menzies seems so supportive of. Yeah, just arm the protesters. From where? From, I don't like. I don't know. They're just gonna airdrop the guns to the, the people. In the yeah, street. right. Like... <laughs> I don't know. It's just so silly. But yeah, I like. I don't think people should be murdered for the types of clothes that they choose to wear. So, uh, yeah, I, I do support the protest, but it's like I. I don't know enough to say anything sort of like beyond that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I didn't have much to say there. But I just thought that, of course, they have to take it to the extreme, right? They can't just be in support of a good cause. They then have to be like, let's arm that good cause with guns. <laughs> so now we get to September 27th. And this was when the Arrive Can app finally went away. And so Ezra is reminiscing about all the COVID restrictions and he's like, when will we get justice? And so he starts playing all the clips of people who got arrested for defying COVID mandates. And it was mostly like, it felt like one of those shows, like in a sitcom where they like talk about all the, the past things that they did. And then it would like play flashbacks of <laughs> those episodes. It was like that, but for the whole COVID pandemic. So, you know, tons of fun, but it does end with one more, I guess, claim, a new claim about COVID and the COVID vaccine. So here we got a new a new COVID vaccine talking point brought to us by uh, Ezra Levant. Did you see the study in the Journal of American Medical, the American Medical Association, perhaps the most prestigious medical journal in the United States, saying that, yes, as the conspiracy theorist said, women who take the mRNA vaccine, well, that mRNA is present, the vaccine is present in their mother's milk. So, hey, moms, just don't uh, breastfeed your young children. But imagine compelling a pregnant mother or a breastfeeding mother to take the vaccine on pain of firing her. Not everyone could resist that. It is no choice to say you could have been fired any more than it's your choice 
when a criminal says your money or your life. Hey, I gave him a choice. Your money or your life. He did have a choice to give a woman a choice to take the jab or lose your job. That is no choice for most people. What does Ezra think is passed on through mother's milk? Like, like that's where a baby's immune system comes from, mostly, is like the antibodies passed along. So no shit, there's going to be antibodies from the fucking vaccine that get passed along. Like, So my understanding is it's, it's not just the antibodies, but the actual, like, mRNA that, like, replicates from when you get the vaccine that then your antibodies use to uh, develop an immunity, right? So <laughs> it's not just the antibodies that are going through the breast milk. But then you have hit on something that's key in what we just heard, because this is all Ezra has to talk about it. And the reason why I kept the last little bit there was just to highlight that he he's saying it as if there's something wrong with what is happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like the implication is therefore it's going to be harmful in some way, but he doesn't explain it. So I went in to read the study just to see like, what is up? Should we be worried? And the first thing that stands out, this does, of course, doesn't mean that the study is like worthless. But the study was done only on 11 lactating individuals. So it was an 11-person study. And of the 11, mRNA from the vaccine was found in the breast milk of five of the 11. And for them, it was only in their breast milk 40, up to 45 hours after receiving the vaccine. So beyond 45 hours, it was no longer uh, showing up uh, in their breast milk. So they then go on to say they have no reason to suspect that the mRNA was active. So at this point, it wasn't doing anything anyways, or that it posed any risk to the child who was drinking the milk, but suggested that, uh, you know, further study, which is what they always say. But they did add for caution that if you're breastfeeding and get vaccinated, just wait 48 hours to be safe. And if, uh, especially if the child is under six months of age, which there you go. <laughs> You know what I mean? So they're like, it's probably not concerning, but if you're worried, give your, your child formula for two days. Like, wow. So it's like putting a gun to someone's head <laughs> and telling them that they don't do it. Uh, you're going to pull the trigger. It, it never ends. Like, all, it was in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It's so pristine that I'm going to not quote it properly and give you limited details on what they said in it and that was the end of the covid segment i don't care who cares the arrive app is uh arrive can app is gone great Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> we already talked in detail about how shitty it is in the last episode you can go check that out and then ezra ends by interviewing mark morano and you know they just spend 20 minutes talking about how the great reset is terrifying and world economic forum shit and again Absolutely nothing to say about it. I, I, we've been over it. They don't add anything new, so it's not worth going into it. That brings us to the 28th, and uh, for some reason, and I don't even know why, I didn't even check to see if, if there was something in the news to tell me why this is important, but David Menzies is the guest host, guest host, and he really wants to talk about Paul Henderson. Do you know who Paul Henderson is, Vieno? No. So he's famous because there was this hockey game back in the 70s and it was the Canadians versus like the actual Canadians, not the Montreal Canadians versus the Soviet Union. Okay. And there was this very famous goal that Paul Henderson scored and it was like seen as this big goal across the country when we beat the Soviets, etc. Right. And like you can watch video clips of it. We're like Henderson. And they're like everyone's like, ah. It's like he scored the goal, okay? Now, Menzies wants to talk about Paul Henderson because Paul Henderson is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, even though he scored this big goal. But David Menzies, of course, is upset because uh, even though he's not, Paul Henderson is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, women hockey players are. And yet, for reasons that remain murky, the powers that be at the Hockey Hall of Fame the same hall that once inducted Gilbert Stein, are of the opinion that Paul Henderson isn't worthy? 
Granted, Henderson's NHL and WHA career statistics from 1962 to 1981 are not Gretzky-like numbers, but who cares? It was Henderson's unforgettable goal in 72 that literally had Canadians dancing in the streets. To add insult to injury in recent years, the Hockey Hall of Fame has become yet another Canadian institution beholden to the tyranny of political correctness. Female players are now being inducted into the hall. And really, I don't mean to slam women's hockey, but come on, how many people on the planet have seen the likes of Cami Granato or Angela James play hockey? But that's the thing with the hall, gender equity now eclipses bona fide achievement. Who cares, dude? <laughs> oh my God. Now, I wanted to play that because of the misogyny, but like also, how much have we heard on this fucking show about the pristine women in sports and how they need to be protected? And meanwhile, he's gone, well, no one's watching women's hockey, so fuck them. Women, <laughs> women are not allowed to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Doesn't matter how good they are, nobody's watching, no one cares. Okay, but we, But remember, if a single trans woman is on a women's team this is women's sports are completely destroyed listen the point is to let them play their little games on their own not to not to acknowledge that the games that they play are worth anything (laughs) just like yeah it's just so they just don't give a shit about anything that they say like it's just none of it yeah and it's, I mean, it's not surprising either, David Menzies being a super misogynist. But I'm also just like, again, so many things are happening in the world. Why are we talking about Paul Henderson? I don't, I don't get it. And for something, so this is the best. So I looked into it because I'm like, what's going on? You know, I got to do my due diligence. And... uh Menzies also goes on to speculate that the reason why Paul Henderson was not inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame was because Paul Henderson is a born-again Christian and that he suspects that that, like, rubs people within the the board who appoints people to the Hall of Fame, like, the wrong way. And so that's why Paul Henderson isn't inducted. But then, like, I looked into it, and, like, Paul Henderson has been awarded, like, the... uh, uh, what is it? The uh, the Order of Canada. So Paul Henderson has been like awarded by elites. You know, the Canadian elites have given prizes to Paul Henderson and promoted him, even though he's a born again Christian. So it's like that that can't be the reason. And so when you look into it, and this is something that Menzies even noted noted in the clip that we play, that like Henderson himself admits that if he was on the board. Uh, of the Hall of Fame, he wouldn't even nominate himself because other than the famous goal that we talked about, he didn't have a Hall of Fame career, uh, which is, again, something that Menzies brought up. So it's like, yeah, even Henderson is not asking to be in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) (sighs) So it's like, why are we talking about this? Okay, it was the 50-year anniversary, that's why. Oh, okay, Jesus. Yeah. I was trying to see if, like, Paul Henderson was on Twitter or something. But, no, it was just people talking about the... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, like, sure, it was a cultural moment. Like, I think at the time, like, they had kids in school, like, watching it live and stuff like this. So, like, it was something that... So, like, 9-11 or Obama's yeah. uh, going to president. Yeah, so it was a big cultural moment. So I get people reflecting on it. It's just the fact of, like... He takes this cultural moment and has to spin some sort of a weird uh, anti-Christian narrative out of it. Like, they're going against him because he's a Christian, born-again Christian. And then also has to throw in, like, misogyny for good measure. Did you ever have to watch... Did you ever, like, take time off of school to watch something Canadian happen in the world? Honestly, I can't remember. September 11th yeah. was the only thing. They had... Obama was the only thing that I can remember. Like... Yeah, I was in college for Obama. Or actually, I wasn't... Yeah, I was in college, but, like, I, I remember watching it at a bar. But <laughs> but when uh, when September 11th happened, they basically, in the cafeteria, wheeled out a TV, and everyone watched it. So it wasn't even, like... 
like everyone could watch it, but like a lot of people were watching it. Yeah. Now in the interview segment, we Andrew Lawton is on. Of course, Andrew Lawton used to be a, a part of Rebel News. He's a bigot. Was a ran for our local member of provincial parliament. Guy is shitty. We've talked about many times, but he's on to just talk about how the LCBO, which for those not in Ontario, it's the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, and it's a store where they sell hard liquors, and you can't buy hard liquor at like grocery stores or convenience stores in Ontario. You have to go to the LCBO, and so this has become a thing. It's been a thing for like a long time. Uh, which is that a lot of conservatives are like, why are we paying all of our taxes to this like liquor board when we could just sell hard liquor out of convenience stores and stuff like this, right? And my honestly, my only argument uh, right now is that the liquor jobs are unionized and way better paying. So uh, I, the other thing is that we don't pay money for it because the LCBO makes money. Yeah, pays for itself. That then it pays for itself, and then the excess profit goes into Ontario's coffers. Like, yeah, it it is a money generator for the province, not a thing that we pay for. Most of the, like they go on uh, like just a bunch of stuff about wanting to get rid of it, but like it ends with this, and so I just feel like this is a necessary thing to end on, which is that. Andrew Lawton speculate like if I were made premier, what are the three things that I would do to the LCBO? And in him going through this, we get an important development about David Menzies. So I think the first step, like I mentioned, is uh, eliminate any line item in the budget that is unnecessary in a monopoly. So overnight, I, I'd slash the entire marketing department, cut every contract with outside marketing vendors. That means food and drink. That means aeroplan. That means advertising, all of it. The next thing I would do is delist any product that you can buy in a private store. So some private retailers uh, are able to sell uh, beer and wine, like grocery stores and some variety stores. If it's in one of those, you don't need it at the LCBO. And third, I would put it up on the auction block immediately. Thank you for option number three. <laughs> Get me aboard that government of yours in our fantasy land, Andrew. Uh, you sound like you've got the... Well, uh, I, no, I should say, I, I'm going to bump them all down. Number one, appoint David Menzies CEO, <laughs> and then do the rest with your assistance at the helm. Well, you know, Andrew, if I'm appointed CEO, then I can give myself back that bottle of Glenn Farkless uh, 105. That And folks, it's the most oft-asked question. Did you get your bottle? The answer is no. But next week, we're going ahead with a small claims uh, action. Can you imagine? Um, it's a $115 bottle of scotch, and it costs $100 to file the case. But there's your social responsibility. These are bullies. These are bureaucrats that think they can make up the law as they go along. He could have got it. He just had to be nice. <laughs> so for those who don't know the lore, uh, David Menzies purchased three bottles of scotch that came in these boxes, the Glen Farkless. And I guess when he got home, one of the boxes did not contain the actual bottle. At least he claims we... Uh, are under reasonable speculation that he drank it and just forgot about it. But <laughs> either way, one of them was missing. So he called the store. They said that they lo looked over video footage and could see that like they were supposed to open and check each box and that wasn't done. So they, they were like, we'll give you the extra bottle. So what Menzies did was stage a protest where he, he harassed staff at the LCBO near his home to the point where they had to call the cops on him. And and the thing is, all he had to do was go in the store without a fil film crew and wearing a mask and asked for his bottle and they would have gave it to him. But it, he didn't do that. Then they were like, well, you're now going to have to go to the distribution place to get it. And he went there and they refused to give it to him. So <laughs> he's now, uh, I guess, filing a small claims uh, thing. And this happened like two years ago, almost three years ago. Yeah, it was a long time. I don't want to speak this into existence, but just in like this imagined world to ruin David Menzies' life even more, Andrew Lawton enters politics. He becomes premier. 
he cuts off David Menzies. David Menzies continues to complain about it for years, like he has with <laughs> everybody else who refuses to answer his phone calls. Oh my god. On his tombstone, it just reads, I still haven't gotten my bottle of Farquhar's. <laughs> Dear Lord. Yeah. Dear Lord. But he know, like, it's just amazing. It stayed with him. He can't let it go. He's... <laughs> He wants that bottle of scotch so bad. That was $115, Jody. You know, they cut his pay right after that one. <laughs> he can't afford a new one. <laughs> but but are we under the illusion that uh, David Menzies is sober enough to know that <laughs> he didn't receive the bottle? They've given it to him like three times and that's going to come out <laughs> in small claims. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. But I thought that was the funny thing is, is I almost didn't need to cover the edge a lot and stuff. I just <laughs> I wanted to play that clip to get to the the important news, which is that Menzies still hasn't gotten that bottle of scotch. So now that gets us to the 29th, which is when finally we get to talk about fascism in Italy. And Menzies are not Menzies, sorry, sorry uh, Ezra. It, it's been a weird week. A lot of this week was Menzies, but we're, we're back to Ezra. And Ezra gives the whole show to an interview with someone who's been on before called Manny Montenegreno. Manny Montenegreno used to be on far more often. Uh, he was like a regular person right before the pandemic hit. And I feel like the pandemic like hit Manny hard. He's he's very old as is. Manny, he, he's mostly known for being a lawyer for both the Reform Party and for Stephen Harper when he was the leader of the Conservative Party. And that's kind of like his thing. He's also been, he, he there was like a falling out with some people over some misconduct uh, where he he was billing people inappropriately when he was a lawyer. Uh, but beyond that, he seems rather like, I guess, free of scandal, other than the fact that he's friends with Ezra, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, and has a history for like, you know, the far right in uh, Canadian politics. But he's on to talk about Georgia Maloney for the mere fact that he's Italian. <laughs> Hell yeah. And my favorite thing about, like, I don't know how much I could say about this but or, or, like, comment directly on this other than, like, on Manny Montenegrino's LinkedIn, I could tell like, he's been in Canada since at least the 60s when he was in high school in Canada. So it's there's like an element in which like, like he probably has Italian roots. His family's Italian, like from Italy. So he has like something. It's just funny to be like, ah oh, yes, this person who immigrated from Italy at least back to the sixties is uh the person that we need to talk about current modern day Italian politics. Italy has always been the same, so it's fine. It works out. Well, in this case, sadly true. <laughs> Exactly. He represents historical continuity in Italian history, and that's why they invited him on. <laughs> now, I only really have one clip to play from this. The other will just sort of like reflect on some of the things that they talk about. But I wanted to start off because Ezra begins by uh, talking about his Jewishness, which is an, an ongoing interesting subject matter for us. But So I, I thought I would play this just so... You know, a new a new angle on the how does Ezra feel about his Jewishness? I want to talk about something that's close to my heart as a super fan of Italy. You know, I'm I was born Jewish. I like being Jewish. But if I had to be any other background, I would want to be Italian. I love the country, the people, the food, the music, everything. And I and God bless the Italians who have shaped the world in so many ways. And Italy just elected its first female prime minister, Giorgia Maloney. And I don't know that much about her, but I like what I see. He was born Jewish. But he feels Italian. <laughs> yeah. And you know, can't be both. There are no Italian Jews. <laughs> like... Is, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I also just, I love how he ended it there too, where he's like, uh, yeah, I know almost next to nothing about this person, but uh, yeah, I like what I've seen. <laughs> I'm going to speak on this <sighs> subject, even though I know nothing. I know nothing. But yes, uh, sorry, our, our Italian friends, and, uh, you know, Ezra wants to be you. So keep that in mind. Now for, like, the meat of the, the sort of discussion. Ezra starts by talking about how, you know, Trudeau did not call the Italian leader and uh, congratulate her on her victory. And, of course, they see this as a huge slight. So the first, like, portion of the interview is just them just talking about how ungrateful Trudeau is. Uh, and, you know, what? I could care less. <laughs> Manny then says that uh, she's impressive and that she's going back to core values. Of course, he doesn't expand on what these core values are. Manny says that they are taking back their culture from progressives that are going after the family. So the reason why there's no point in playing any of these clips is this was a long meandering segment where all they would do is hand wave towards these ideas of like, ah, oh, yes, culture, values, family but then say nothing of substance about it. And like, to me, that's the most damning thing to take away from this thing, because it's like, if you actually want to address whether this person is fascist or not, you're going to have to actually address some of the content of what they're saying, right? But they never do that. And in fact, they play a bunch of like mainstream media clips where, uh, you know, it gets brought up that the party is somehow related to Mussolini, but it doesn't go into any detail. And they just sort of respond to these clips by saying that, like, oh, yeah, but, like, the left media, they just call everyone fascism. So it's like this, you know, we can't really trust them. And then they play a clip of a center-right Italian politician, but of course they don't refer to them that way. They just call them a, an Italian politician. And that politician says that, oh, Maloney is not a fascist. And so they go, there you go. There you go. This other Italian politician who happens to be center-right, although, again, they don't highlight that, they said Maloney's not fascist, so therefore she's not a fascist. Done. Argument made. Yeah, sure. Something that I've discovered in looking at Maloney is that apparently um, the Lord of the Rings is a like major basis for Italian far-right politics. Why? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. The only, the only other thing of substance that they play in this discussion is a clip of Maloney speaking. And in the speech, she talks about like how great the family is. She has some moments where she's like anti-trans. She then like promotes the idea of how Italian culture is great and we need to save our culture. And they respond to this by being like, oh, everything that she's saying is great. Therefore, it's not fascist, right? And this is like such a weird thing to do like I I saw this recently with like some other fascists who went through like Umberto Eco's 10 points on what fascism is and mm -hmm. every single point they were like but those things are good and yet they still maintained they were not fascist so it's like it's like they go through the fascist checklist and they check all the boxes and then go oh but they were wrong about fascist like what they're defining as fascism is actually cool and good and therefore not fascism. Because for them, they can't be fascist because the popular culture sees fascism as bad. So they just take the definition of fascism, say that it's a left-wing lie, and then are just proud to adopt all the points that normal people would identify as being fascist. Which is all that's going on here. Because they're going, I like everything that Maloney is doing, therefore it's not fascism. <sighs> And we're going to get to a clip from the next day in a second, which will go into more details that'll further sort of like elucidate these talking points or, or that sort of like narrative in very confusing ways because uh, it's going to be from Sheila and Sheila is not as well at articulating this kind of shit as like say Ezra or Manny is. 
Now, the rest of this interview, so we're going to go a little bit away from the Italian stuff for a second. Uh, Manny and Ezra end sort of talking about Pierre, because, again, Pierre Polyev was uh, elected as the leader of the Conservative Party. And they, oddly enough, spend little time talking about Pierre and more time talking about how, like, awesome his wife is. And how she's, like, a Venezuelan immigrant and how great that is. Because it proves that like Venezuelanism, Venezuelan socialism is bad, and therefore his wife could do something about it. I don't know. <laughs> this seems to be the a, a talking point latched on by the right for some reason. Interesting. And then they also talk about how uh, Manny used to work for Preston Manning, and he sort of ties it back into the Maloney thing, being like, people used to spear Preston Manning as a racist, and that was just as ridiculous. And uh, for anyone who's listening to the bonus footage, so shout out to uh, our bonus, uh, you know, become a Patreon, get access to our bonus uh, stuff. But we we went through how uh, the neo-Nazis infiltrated the Reform Party to recruit people. So, I don't know. They tried to smear him as a racist, and yet somehow the racists were like, this is a great breeding ground for other racists. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> And then that was it. So, you know, I, I don't really need to hear what Manny has to say. But, uh, you know, he's old and meandering. We would have had to listen to, like, eight-minute-long clips. And I, and I figured I didn't want to subject our audience to that. So now we get to the, the final day, the Friday, the 30th. And Sheila is the guest host, Sheila Gunn-Reed. And she complains the whole episode about the CBC. And I don't care. She then interviews uh, an oil and gas prop propagandist named Robbie Picard, who we've talked about before. He's just, I, I think he's the guy who's famous for, like, he has the I love oil and gas t-shirts that, like, people wear and stuff like this. And he's going on a cross-country tour to promote oil and gas. So, great. Didn't really care about this. But then we get to the mailbag segment. And, of course, because the day before they were talking about Georgia Maloney, a lot of people who wrote in such that Sheila was responding to the, to the letters, uh had to do with what was going on in Italy and with the, the leader. And that makes Sheila want to weigh in on whether or not Maloney is a fascist. And this is, you'll, similar to the things that I've already said about how, you know, they don't want to be identified with fascists. So it's like, they want to say that they like everything she's doing, but want to deny the fascism. This is how Sheila tries to awkwardly navigate that. She campaigned on three things, God, family, and country. Now, for that, the left is calling Italy's new female prime minister a fascist or a neo-fascist or a crypto-fascist. But here's why I don't think she's a fascist. Although I'm willing to be wrong, I'd just like to see evidence to the contrary. Two of the th three things that she campaigned on as her central platform, the cornerstones of her campaign are the things fascists fear the most, family and God. Because any dictator, whether fascist or communist, they require unwavering loyalty or allegiance to the state, whether that is ideology that compels it or fear of reprisal that compels it. But when you have family and when you have God, you have something the people are more loyal to always than the state. It's one of the reasons why most communist dictatorships immediately scratch out God and replace religion with the state is because they need people without a moral compass, without another allegiance except for that which is only, only to the state. So that's all she has to say. But notice, like, she wants to skewer fascism, but then kept bringing it back to communism, even though earlier in the discussion she, she did acknowledge, sort of, like in how she was talking, that there was a difference between communism and fascism. But then it's like, in the end, they become the same thing in how she's talking about them. And of course, it's like all incorrect. I mean, like, if you want to talk, like, you know, the fascists work with the, the church the entire time uh, in order to consolidate power. 
that and like they promoted the image of the family. That was the whole thing uh, in Nazi Germany was about, uh, you know, creating the ideal German family. God, fatherland and family was literally a slogan of fascist Italy. Like the thing that she just said, like, oh, that's proof that she's not fascist was a fascist slogan. I love that, like the addition of country that like, yes, national socialism. They were a national, like, nationalism is, like, right there. <laughs> uh, very big, you know. And, and the fact of, like, yes, uh, the talk of, of, like, the land and getting back to the land and how superior the German culture is, you know. Like, it's, it's, it's just amazing that, like, it's like they're aware that this is the problem. But of course they can't address it because they are fascists. They agree with everything that the fascists are saying. They constantly find themselves awkwardly aligned with the, the fascists. Awkward in that they, they know that that's bad PR. But then they have to try to like play these weird games where it's like, oh no, we're not, we're not really fascist because fascists hate God, right? <sighs> yeah. No, it's pretty bad. And like that's the thing is they they can't go into any details about what actually Maloney wants to do or any of that. It's just really they have to keep it at the very superficial level. But even it's funny that like at that superficial level, it's still just fascism. <laughs> it hits every check every box for fascism. I'm sure <laughs> it's 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 terrifying. Yeah. Congrats, Italy, I guess. Forget about it. Forget about it. That that was such a sad forget about it. <laughs> I'm sick. What, what, what do you want from me? Uh, I want you to get better. I want Italy to get better. Of a Briar Patch article that is a short introduction to the two row wampum, uh, which is one of the oldest treaties between um, indigenous people of Turtle Island and uh, Europeans, made between the Dutch and the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. It basically was like, yeah, we can share and live on the land together without interfering in the actions of one another and um, maintaining things so that both groups are able to survive and live prosperously. Um, and it was the basis for a lot of the like later treaties that came um, with the British and French and later Americans and Canadians and whatever. And it gives just like a brief little history of it and an explanation of what it is. And, um, is pretty good so read it and it's also very short yeah it's something to just kind of like keep in mind both in terms of like how relations between nations are going these days and also as a like framework for how nations could approach one another in the future and one way you could do that is by not voting for fascist leaders you know what you you how find, do those relate well because yeah you said you find ways to like better uh, interact with other nations and stuff like this through through these treaties and one way that you have better relations is just not electing racists who will ig ignore treaties listen i don't care you're sure. sick i'm yeah. tired what is any does any of it mean anything anymore at this point yeah uh-huh you got me. it and if the incoherence of this is something that you enjoy, uh, can consider giving us a few bucks over on Patreon.com slash Imperial News. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a Discord setup, and we do Twitch streams. Uh, I'm doing it more randomly now, so if that's something you're interested in, uh, check that out. Uh, 
You can also find our videos on YouTube and you can find all links to the show notes in the, the notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. Thank you for listening. And exploding milk porn. You're canceled. Yeah. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.